104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. We're going to start out our show today by wishing a very happy first birthday to Oliver Ray Holmes. Happy birthday, El Gapo. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Joe Weston stepping in on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Ned Reynolds joining us. Ned, how are you? That's what it is, too. A beautiful Sunday. The sun is out. It's warm. Maybe spring finally is here. And I said us because I'm not alone. John Oliver with us today. He's a a last-minute substitution, able to step in. For the ailing Stormy Davis, how are you, John? I'm good. I knocked the donuts off my bat, and I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to come in. Off the bench. Here he comes, Josh Roberts, with his Alabama hat and all. How are you? I'm doing great. And your matching Alabama shirt, too. Kind of, yeah. I went red today. All right. Tide. Let's uh Let's start with Bears football, and uh, the season ended yesterday. Ned, tell us about the game. Not uh, not a real pretty picture. 44-10 to 10 is the final. North Dakota wins it. The fact that North Dakota won is not a surprise. They are a very, very good football team, and so are the Bears. But I think the blitzing that the Bears got at the very start of the game really cost them a lot of momentum. And I think more than anything else, judging from what I was able to see on the ball game. The Bears' offensive line may have underestimated the speed of North Dakota State's defense. The defensive attack from the uh, from the Fighting Hawks, and that's I'm not leaving off the G. They right. are the Fighting Hawks. Fighting Hawks. Uh, I was very impressed with the stunts that they had on the defensive line, their disguised blitzes, and the speed of those guys rolling off the offensive linemen on their blocks and getting in and really just raising hill in the backfield. They had eight sacks. I've never heard of anything like that. Eight sacks and six hurries. And that tells you that that defensive line and and the the safety blitzes and so forth are being very effective. They they totally disrupted whatever Missouri State wanted to do. Now, the Bears did regroup in the second half and kind of shut down a little bit of what North Dakota was doing. But that's a very good football team North Dakota has. They'll be here. They play the Bears here in town next October. And next October, gang, and the season's only three months away from right. starting. <laughs> yeah. I think the Bears team will be a very good one in the Valley. But uh, we'll elaborate just a little bit more on that in just a second. What did you guys think? Uh, I, I kind of got the same read you did, Ned. I mean, it seemed like there was just pressure, pressure, pressure all day. I mean, we saw that in the Super Bowl with Pat Mahomes. If the offensive line's not giving you time, you can't do anything. You know, they tried to get the running game going, and I think, I forget the starter's name, but about 35 yards on the ground. Uh, it, yeah, Salen uh, Manning. Manning, Manning yeah. Yep. Satan Manning. Yep. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things. It definitely, they did regroup in the second half. However, I I mean, I look at this year overall as a victory. I do, and, too. And uh, that's, a, as you mentioned, that's not a slub team on the other side of the ball. So, you know, it's not an unexpected unexpected result. There's a little bit of a misleading factor. I'm not being negative in saying this, but in every league, SEC and Big 12 and so forth, there is a certain element of your power structure. And in the Missouri Valley Conference, which is euphemistically the SEC of 1AA football, <laughs> of FCS football, um, the power structures in the northern teams, North Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Northern Iowa, even in some respects, South Dakota, University of South Dakota. The Bears played during the regular season North Dakota State and Northern Iowa. 
They did not play South Dakota State nor North Dakota State until yesterday. Had that been the case, I really think the record probably would have been a little bit different. That's not to say they wouldn't have gotten in the playoffs, but it might have been just a little bit. It, it, it was skewed to some, uh, in some respects. Takes nothing away from what Missouri State did. The 5-1 and one is a victory, if for no other reason than it has changed I, I hope permanently the mindset of the Ozark sports fans who yes. were ridiculing why they even have this sport and let's cancel it, get rid of it, and so forth. No, uh-uh. because it's, a, a, in my opinion, a very viable part of the, any kind of university structure in any way. Mm-hmm. That's personal the, opinion. The momentum has to keep going on that, though. That's yes. that, that's the big thing. One, I, I agree with you totally, Ned, that we I was at a restaurant Friday night and the girl behind the cash register, she was talking to one of the patrons. He was wearing a Bears hat, and they were talking about the football season. That was something that you don't right. hear. You don't hear it in the spring, first of all, because it's spring, but you also uh, don't hear it during the season. So it was nice to hear people talking about Bears football, being excited about it, and just the feel in the area was a little bit different. And if they could just keep that momentum going into fall football, then they've got something. They've got something going then. Joe, if they can. And and there, again, lies the key because, again, it's only three months from now. It's for yeah. everybody, not just not just Missouri State, but for all the FCS teams who did play. And that three months, we're going to find out whether or not that's enough of a period to recover. Uh, I, ha- I question whether it is. But right. be that as it may, it, to use today's expression, it is what it is, and that's <laughs> going to happen. The Bears will open with Oklahoma State. Then they'll have Central Arkansas, which is a contender, did not play in the spring because they're shooting for a championship in the fall. They're, they think they're that good. They'll be up here again to play week off. Then you get into your Valley schedule, and it does include North Dakota. It includes North Dakota State. South Dakota State, thank goodness, is not on the schedule. <laughs> they, they are big and they are mean and they are the top seed in this uh, whole tournament that's going on now. We should pass along congratulations to Coach Petrino. He was named Valley Coach of the Year this year, mm-hmm. so congratulations to him. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting that we're talking about football, especially Missouri State football at this time of year. So They do have a lot of work ahead of them, though, Mm -hmm. and I think that was exploited yesterday. You saw what the offensive line and how badly, how badly beaten in speed that they were. Well, that can be corrected. You bring in the athletes to do that, and then the defensive backfield was torched by the first two fifty-yard touchdown passes. Again, you're dealing with a team that's very good, playing with a redshirt. Freshman quarterback. <laughs> right. Oh, my, my. The rich get richer, don't they? Yes, they do. <laughs> what do they feed those guys up there? That's uh, that's a very Bison. good question. Bison. Very good question. Yeah, they, and with they, the with the upcoming draft, North Dakota State's quarterback didn't even play this year. Right. He, he played in the fall, but not. Uh, he opted out for the NFL draft. He could be a first-round pick and probably will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of the most talked-about quarterbacks in the draft this year, but just right behind Trevor Lawrence. This is Trey Lance, about whom we're talking, and he is no slouch. He's a very, very good player. We've seen him play. For one thing, and it's deceptive watching these guys on television, this guy is 6'4 and about 235 or 240. On the football field, he looks average size, you know, right. kind of small. <laughs> yeah. and that's not small at all. I don't give a damn who no. you are. That's pretty big. No, that's 
Let's stay with football and talk about the Chiefs because they made a major, I mean, a huge move over the weekend. Literally. Yes, in so many ways. Ned, tell us about that. Well, it's Orlando Brown who comes over uh, from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Brown is, he's huge, folks. He's 6'8 and almost 350 pounds. And he's good. He's an all-pro. Wanted to play on the right side of the offensive line for the Ravens. They said, no, we won't. I'm sorry, vice versa. Uh, He wants to play on the left side. They had him on the right side. And the Chiefs needed somebody on the left side. That's where they were beaten in the Super Bowl so decisively. And they were, you could see it going on during the regular season, too. Mm -hmm. All right, they bring this guy over. They're going to put him on the left side. He's a Sooner, Oklahoma Sooner. He was the protection for Baker Mayfield, and I think that I think I'm right on this stat. It may have to be corrected, but I think Mayfield had one sack. I believe you're correct on that. He was the victim yes. of only one sack, <laughs> and here's well, when you got a six eight three fifty pounder who has some speed and he's hostile, that's that's pretty good. Mm. Anyway, this will be a big help to the Chiefs. Uh, I have a feeling now they're not going to go for anybody in the first round because they don't have a first-round draft choice. They traded that one away, and therein lies the fact that they have a lot of confidence in what they can do on that offensive line. They have Toomey from the uh, New England Patriots. They have Howie Long's son, who does have a history of injuries. They have the kid from the Los Angeles Rams. Austin uh, Blythe. Austin Blythe. Uh, he's the center. So they'll have the makings on paper of a pretty good offensive line. question is, do they have the depth? To be able to carry, and they may. They may have some. Well, Duvernay Tardif returns this year. Yes. They expect him to return this year. And Lucas Nyang, if I'm saying That's that right, correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, another player that opted out will be back. So at the very least, they have depth, which mm-hmm. is something they didn't have last year. Yeah. Uh, that means, you know, of course, Eric Fisher was released, not coming back to the team. But on paper, like you said, Ned, one of the major holes on their team <laughs> sorry about that that was a little bit of a pun there was uh <laughs> the chief's offensive line it was porous but it looks like it's it's tremendous right now yes well on paper it is and we'll see of course you're not playing the games on paper and you have a lot of the rate of attrition in the national football league is what has me a little bit bothered because some of these teams that start out so very strong don't end that way mm-hmm. Case in point is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last year, they they were mediocre at the very start of the season. Well, there are several factors for that, not the least of which was there were no exhibition games. Right. And with a new team, it took them a while to come together. But once they did, still, a lot of these teams who start very strong don't always end that way. And we'll see how the Chiefs are going to be affected by that. Because, on again, on paper, this will be a, a very solid offensive team. Not that they weren't already. They were. But the fact of the matter remains they have that extra protection now, and that makes a big difference. Well, this has been kind of the Chiefs' M.O. is to fix themselves not through the draft, mm-hmm. especially since Patrick Mahomes has been on the team. I felt like that was the one area. Not We're not knocking Alex Smith. We'll talk about him in a minute. Mm-hmm. We're not knocking him in any way, shape, or form, but they really felt like that they could improve themselves to get that quarterback that they wanted. That was Patrick Mahomes. They had really dotted their I's and crossed their T's on their study of him. But since then, they have gone through free agency to improve that team. And which which is bigger to you, Ned, what they did on the offensive line or what they did on the defensive line to get pressure? That is where I have some concerns. Do they have the ability on that defensive line to really maintain 
a consistent level of solid defense. I think that's what they're going to look for in the draft, some help along those lines. And no, I don't. I think they've concentrated more on the O-line than they have elsewhere. Well, they, they got the guy from uh, from Seattle. Seattle. Yes. And, yes. and they, the two most double-teamed defensive linemen in the NFL play on the same team now, the Chiefs. Again, yes. that looks <laughs> That's good. paper but, on paper. But why yeah. did Seattle let him go? And yeah. he's a free agent. They didn't try to re-sign him, or if they did, it was just a maybe a complimentary offer mm-hmm. of some sort. And you have to wonder, what do these teams know that we don't? And there are often circumstances like that. I'm I'm not sure they improve themselves on defense all that much. Yes, it looks good. Yeah. But there, it looked good last year too, and you saw what Tampa Bay did. It's pretty exciting, though. I have to oh, say. Uh-huh. Yes. I mean, when you see a team react the way the Chiefs did, we've got a problem. We've got uh, we've got what could be a generational quarterback. I mean, he, he's already doing things that people just don't see. Mm-hmm. We could have a generational quarterback here. We got to protect him, and they go right out and protect yeah. him. Yep, and yeah, that's, that's oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say uh, for years as a Chiefs fan. They wouldn't do that, it seemed to me. Like with Carl Peterson as the GM, they had horrible drafts. They wouldn't go get the free agents that they needed to fill these holes. They drafted a tight end every year that Tony Gonzalez <laughs> played for them. So now I love it because they are. They're addressing the issue that they have. They're going and getting the players that they feel are going to be what they need to fill those holes. And it's it's exciting. It, it, it makes me even more excited for next season because they're they're doing what they need to do. It looks as though, to me, though, when you take a look at the structure of the team, there are going to be a lot of 45 to 36 games and maybe 51 to 43 and things like that, which I guess is what the fans want to see. (laughs) That's exciting. (laughs) I think we have to really appreciate how lucky we are to have the front office that the Chiefs have. Yeah. And I want to point that out just due to the fact, you know, obviously the 8,000 pound elephant in the room after the Super Bowl was the offensive line didn't protect Mahomes. Now, a lot of teams, and Ned, you kind of alluded to this, would have gone into the draft and said, well, we'll see what's available. We'll use our upper draft picks on that. You see that time and time again. After all, we made the Super Bowl last year. You know, we made our money. We'll try to do something. With the Kansas City Chiefs, you see them completely restructured constructing their offensive line in the offseason teams don't do that before the draft so i think you know chiefs fans are in a very unique situation with the way this front office is committed to winning regardless of past performance they know mahomes as you said joe is a generational quarterback they want to build a dynasty and it's very refreshing to see an organization that cares enough about the fans cares enough about that place in history to do so yeah, I agree totally. It's it, You're exactly right, John, when you say some teams, they get there, they either get there or they win, and they're just like, well, we're happy with that. Let's let's move on. And the Chiefs uh, are retooling. They're just re-adding, <laughs> we, re-weaponizing themselves for another yep. season going forward. I mean, yes. uh, we've talked about this a lot, that the offensive line is so underrated and so important in the NFL and that teams that have success seem to protect their quarterbacks extremely well, and that I've always said all the guys that make it to the NFL, they're all they're all top-tier quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, it yeah. doesn't matter if you're, if you're Sam Darnold or if you're Patrick Mahomes or if you're anybody in between. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not saying Sam Darnold's the worst quarterback in the NFL or if you're Tim be. Tebow or anybody else. <laughs> if you can protect that guy, he can complete passes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
So now you've got a guy who hasn't had a tremendous amount of protection in the first three years that he's played, who's had to create, and now he's got it. What are we going to see? Yeah. High-scoring games. <laughs> we are, definitely. <laughs> Let's uh, take a minute to talk about uh, the man that had the job before Alex, or the man that had the job before Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith. He retired this week, and uh, uh, I think all of us are in agreement this, in this room. Just a great human being. Mm-hmm. I think John came up with the best idea, and that is why not name the Comeback Player of the Year Award, the Alex Smith Award, because the way he came back last year, with the uh, the football team in Washington and played with a lot of guts. Here's a guy, folks, who almost lost his leg. Not the use of his leg, <laughs> his leg, period. It, they were considering amputation, as, as serious as that injury was. Well, they opted not to, and here he is playing football again. And you have to understand that while there are sympathetic reactions in football, it's not on the field because you're paid to produce out there. So he's taking hits, and he's surviving them. Of course, he is retired now, and that's that's great. But the guy has a great head on his shoulders, would make somebody a terrific coach, and probably that's going to happen somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, his I, I admire greatly what he did. Yeah, he's getting a good paycheck for it. That <laughs> certainly enters into it. But the fact of the matter remains, he didn't have to do that. No, 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 no. And I think what impresses me the most about him, and we kind of talked a little bit you know, between segments about this, The Chiefs weren't a bad team before Patrick Mahomes came in. They were very successful under Alex Smith. And there were multiple problems with that team. However, it seemed like the general populace always said, Alex Smith can't throw the deep ball. He can't get this offense going. He never once came out frustrated, asked to be traded, anything. He was a gentleman. He has always been a gentleman about everything in his career. So I think, you know, as great as the Chiefs team is right now, we lose sight of how good some of those Alex Smith teams were. This wasn't a last place team that Mahomes inherited by any stretch of the imagination. He's the foundation this team was built on. Exactly. Josh? Well, I, like you guys have said, I mean, we we were talking off camera, off off air. Off microphone. (laughs) Off microphone. I feel like Alex Smith came back. He had nothing to prove to anybody. I mean, an injury like that, if he had said, I'm done, I'm not going to do this, nobody would have faulted him. Nobody would have said, oh, you're a quitter, anything like that. I feel like he had to prove something to himself mm-hmm. that he could recover from this and still play at a high level. He had a great season with Washington. And so for him to retire at this point, I think good for him. You know, he's got his life ahead of him. He's got a family. Uh, everybody loves this guy because he's great. I mean, and and what he did is inspirational for everybody. You guys ever seen the movie The Right Stuff? Oh, absolutely. You know the part when Chuck Yeager crashes the plane and they're driving through the desert and one of the the guy in the Jeep goes, sir, I think I see a man. The guy goes, damn right. (laughs) That's Alex Alex Smith. You're listening to Ned Talk on (laughs) 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Joe Weston, Josh Roberts, John Oliver, Ned Reynolds talking about some sports on a Sunday afternoon. And one of the things I love best about doing this show is the education that I get from Ned Reynolds. <laughs> That'll <laughs> be the day. Well, it, it, I it just get amazed. You always joke about your age. 
you you make a lot of reference to it, but I'm always amazed at the things that you're just able to pull out of your butt mm-hmm. about sports, where they went to school at, or or something that happened 60 years ago, and it just it I I, I really I'm always dumbstruck by that. Well, Joe, when you've made it your life, which it is, I can't look look I have to level with you. I can't repair a car. <laughs> I have to have help putting a light bulb in place and right. things like that. But when it's your focal point in life, you yeah. tend to retain all of that knowledge. Uh, just as uh, an IT specialist can retain all the subtleties and the nuances of computers and things like that. I was telling Josh a little while ago, we were going we to talk soccer here a little bit. Yeah, I had a computer incident at my house and I'm still having... I know more about computers than I do about soccer, and that is nothing. <laughs> but it, it again, it's it's a focal point, and you, I guess, for want of another term, you train yourself to retain the level of knowledge that you're focusing on in your profession. Because I've always been of the opinions, personal opinion, that if you're going to be a practitioner of a certain circumstance in life, doesn't matter what it is, you doggone well better know all about it and right. all the. All the intricacies are involved, and you do. Yep. That's no, amazing. Thank you. That's yes. nice of you to say. So I wanted, I wanted to. Speaking of education, we're, Josh is going to educate us today because we 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 <laughs> joke with Josh a lot because he's our resident soccer fan yeah. on the show, and uh, none of the rest of us are soccer fans. I would say or football fans. Football, Foot, football fans. The world but, calls but it football. But I'm really interested in this story about the Super League and oh. wanting to know more about it. So educate the three of us. Okay, so European soccer. Uh, you know, you've got the English Premier League. You've got leagues in most of the major, all of the major European countries, and then they also play several different tournaments throughout the season that are that are combinations like there's an FA cup, which is all, uh, British teams. And then there's the champions league, which is all the European clubs. The best of the European clubs get into this champions league tournament. They play, uh, two, they play a home and away against their opponent. And then they have an aggregate score. The the winner of the aggregate goes on the next round. Then they ultimately get to an, an elimination, uh, tournament to win this, whole thing and the champions league is a huge amount of money and it's a huge prestigious thing so for whatever reason uh the top tier groups in these leagues specifically the spanish league the italian league and the and the english premier league decided they wanted to form their own super league which was just the top it was it was going to be the top six premier league teams the top three Spanish and the top three Italian teams, and then they would they would have four qualifiers uh, from various other leagues, and it was all a money driven thing. It was a three point two five billion dollar project, and it it was an elitist ideology for football, and so they they didn't really obviously they didn't do any uh, um, testing with their market for this because as soon as they announced that it was going to happen, players, managers, all of the fans in all of these countries had the huge outcry saying this is ridiculous because they felt like it was truly just a money thing. And so it it lasted three days and they've already disbanded because the, the English Premier League teams decided they're not going to do it. Uh, the Champions League, which is uh, UEFA, 
is the governing body of it, said at first they said any team that plays in the Super League is banned from the Champions League. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there was this huge in, in, immediate fallout from it. Uh, and so it fell apart, which I think is the best thing for the fans because it would have also been so costly to try to go to one of those with it just being those elite clubs. Here's the the catch to this. At virtually the same time, American college football is, was and still is because it hasn't been disbanded yet, although I think it will be and I hope it is, mm-hmm. uh, taking a super conference and developing just the big name teams in this super conference why? Because they could take the TV revenue right. and build it into their own. At least that's their thinking. What they aren't considering is how many fans you would alienate right. by oh, doing yeah. that. And that is the basic structure of all of all of sports, not just college football. You have to have the allegiance of the fans and the general public to make it work. The allegiance in college football is not of those 32 or whatever the number was. I think it was 32 teams they were going to put in there, but of leagues and competition in general. And when you remove that, you have removed a tremendous amount of identification from what you're doing. I think it's a very bad idea in soccer and in college football, and I don't think in either case it's going to work. Right. Let me ask you this question. On the surface, it sounds like a good idea to me, an outsider Mm-hmm. who's not into soccer, because it, would, it seems like if you took the top-level teams in all these leagues and put them together, because two to Americans, so, this is one of the most confusing parts about soccer. Sure. We, have, we got the NFL, we got the MLB, we got the M- NBA. Now, you got all this <laughs> other crap out here with soccer. We just don't understand it. Right. And we don't. And so that's part of the reason why... So it seems like, yeah, that seems like a really good idea. Why don't you take these teams and make a league and let them play? And then they're competing with one another. The best of the best are competing with one another. Well, yeah, and I, and I can see that. I can see that opinion, definitely. From my perspective, I think the problem that it creates for the fan base is it alienates, like Ned was saying, it alienates such a large percentage of the other teams and their fans that, like, uh, fans from Leicester City aren't going to be interested in watching Liverpool play Man United every other week or however, you know, because a, a small league like that, you're not going to, it's going to be a lot of repetition of, of contests. Plus, like I said, it's basically mimicking what the, what's already in place with the Champions League. In order, And that was part of their reason, too, is they wanted to break away from the Champions League and compete against them for money because the Champions League generates... So much revenue for these teams. The winner of the Champions League gets gets a a, a club prize of millions of dollars for winning. I can't I can't remember how much it is, but it's an astronomical amount of money. There's so much money in European football; it's crazy. Oh, I just yeah, and the key word in all of that is for money. Yeah. That everybody's oh, yeah. doing stuff for money. We've got a roundtable discussion coming up. It's about staying a bit too long. We'll talk about that <laughs> next. Back to Net Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're going to save this part of the show for a roundtable discussion about something, a topic that we pick. And last week, we kind of stumbled across this one when we were talking on the air about guys that have stayed just a bit too long. I wonder if there's somebody... (laughs) 
somebody maybe in a, a team that people around here love that maybe is staying too long? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Well, I'm Let not sure that Ned. Ned Reynolds is qualified to talk about this. No, <laughs> gosh, no, no. Oh, come on, no, no, no. You sharp as a tack. Well, we, uh, I think you're probably making reference to Carpenter with the Cardinals. And, and the fact of the matter remains that he is he's still there because he's still under contract. This mm-hmm. is his final year, but he can't get anything done. And, it's, and uh, he feels, I'm sure, as badly as anybody, he's not going to show it because he's a professional athlete. Correct. But when you're slumping as badly as he is, what's he? Oh, 77 now, I think, is his, oh. his last batting average. Oof. You add in spring training, I think he's at like 035. Yeah. Something like that yeah he would he would fit into that category an individual who in all honesty probably saw this coming because his figures last year weren't good his figures in 2019 were very mediocre now in 2018 he did lead the cardinals in home runs but he also led them in strikeouts what benefit was there there he also had, his one run. He also had an abismal first half that he, year. Where that's he the, it was June, runs. July, and yes. August that he came on. That's right. Yep. That is right. Um, you know, on this topic, Joe, and I'm sure Ned will kind of relate to me on this, there are times people stay too long. And I think baseball is a really good example of this. So, you know, growing up watching these guys that I idolized, watching old footage of, like Tom Seaver and Steve Carlton are two great examples. Watching them, and I remember distinctly, okay, Steve Carlton's with the White Sox. And then I remember watching games, and I go, ugh, Steve Carlton's with the White Sox. (laughs) And I mean, you know, guys want to, and I hope this becomes less prevalent, because I think a lot of guys, there were the magic numbers for the Hall of Fame. We've always talked about that. Yeah, You have to have 300 wins. You have to have 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. So I think guys hung on a lot of times way past their prime to get to those numbers. But you don't see that now as much. I think it's the dynamic of baseball has changed to where they look more about how dominant you were for a number of years. One of the problems with baseball is there's no, there's really no middle class in baseball. It's, you make a lot of money, and then there's a lot of guys who make you know what we would consider to be a ton of money but it's there's there's really no in between with it so there's a lot of guys that baseball has really bad about players just disappearing but your point to Steve Carlton was he fell off the table oh i mean he went from being a perennial 20 game 300 strikeout pitcher to could not couldn't do it anymore right and it was shocking when you, and and Tom Seaver there was this kind of Tom Seaver's early career was really, really great, really phenomenal. And yes. the latter part of his, the middle and latter part of his career, really marred by injury. And he's a guy that he was great early in his career, but those following years were really poor. You guys are talking about baseball, and that is, I think, probably the prevalent sport where guys do hang around too long. Excuse me. <clears throat> but I'm going to use two examples in basketball where that exists. Mm-hmm. One is Dwight Howard, who is still oh hanging on oh, with wow. the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. He, <laughs> and he realizes, realizes it himself. Every time he makes a basket, he's celebrating to the crowd, look <laughs> look what I can do, right. or grabs a rebound. He's needed to have been gone a couple of years ago. Yes. Another is Carmelo Anthony. Oh, oh yeah. simply yes. cannot let go of it. He's been around for, what, 20 years when was the All America Syracuse in 0102, somewhere mm-hmm. around there? And here he is still playing on. He's a shadow of his former self. 
Uh, you don't really see it too much in football because no. of the way the NFL does release players rather rapidly and uh, without a whole lot of sympathy. But in baseball, yeah, there there's guys who are hanging on. I remember so well, it was my maybe second or third year at KY3, and Mickey Mantle was in the final uh, final years of his career, and he somehow was named to the American League All-Star team. They're playing in the Astrodome at Houston, which would have been 68 or 69. I'm not sure which. And they sent him up as a pinch hitter for the American League All-Stars. Why? Why was he even on the team? Well, he's making medal number one. But he was sent up in this game because he was the first one to hit a home run in the Astrodome. So why not uh, celebrate this? Here he comes up, three pitches, he's out of there. Oof. He couldn't get it done anymore. Another Willie Mays may have, yes. may have been around as an active player too long. But in baseball, you see a little bit more of that because of the sensitivity involved with the game, uh, the impact of the game <clears throat> on the public, how much it means to them to see these superstars, and because it is the oldest of the games. So I think you'll see it a little bit more prevalent. But, yeah, there are those who are, and Carlton was certainly a glaring example. Babe Ruth, another example. He could still hit home runs, but very in the very end of his career when he was playing for uh, Boston, Boston Braves, mm-hmm. right? uh, they had a they had a runner for him, and yes. the runner started at home plate. <laughs> yeah, uh, he didn't. Oh, wow. it, it, it was a very special specialized rule only for him. So if he hit a home run. He wouldn't trot the bases. The runner would run the bases for him. Right. And I think at that point in his career, he either struck out or hit a home run. He was not. Mm-hmm. He, he was not beating out many singles. Well, I Let's think put in his, uh, maybe his next to last appearance, or it may have been his last appearance, the Braves were pay- playing in the Forbes Field, old Forbes Field at Pittsburgh, and he had three home runs. Three home runs in the game, one of which was the very first one ever to leave the right field portion of the ballpark <laughs> entirely. First one. Yeah. And then he said, that is it. That yeah. is the end of my career right here. And well, wait, this kind of came up because Jay Bruce retired. He, yes. he played for the Yankees, and and uh, I've talked about it the last couple of weeks. They, they, they played Tampa Bay, and they had no respect for him. They didn't put anybody on the right side of the infield mm-hmm. or the left side of the infield when he was hitting. So as a, as a player, how can you stand up there at home plate, left-handed hitter, there's nobody standing on that side of the field and, and take that. How do you go? I mean, I guess the paycheck helps ease the pain. <laughs> you were talking football. Brett Favre hung on too oh, long. Yeah. Maybe. And Johnny Unitas hung on too yes. long, too. And yeah. Johnny U, though, still, still was able to play in the late 60s. He could get the job done, maybe not like he used to, but there really, in his case, wasn't any effective backup. They brought in uh, Earl Morrill to play, yeah. and, and he, he worked a little bit. Frank Reich came in a bit, but Johnny U could still get it done in a limited sense. So to say that he hung on too long, yeah, probably as a viable quarterback, a championship quarterback, yes. Because we w- really do want to think of Brett Favre as being a a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. We don't <laughs> want to think about the he he played for the Vikings, didn't he? He did. Like, he did. for the Vikings. Yeah. He played and for the, the Jets. Jets. The Jets. Yes. He was with and, the Jets. And that's a point I like to make too. You know, I pass down my love of sports, luckily, to my kids. And when we're talking about players, you know, they see old highlights, and when they see Hank Aaron with the Brewers. When they see Willie Mays with the Mets, when they see Carl Malone with the Lakers, when they see Patrick Ewing with the Sonics, yeah. they don't understand because they're like, well, he was with the Knicks. And I think a lot of one thing we haven't looked over is pride. Yeah. I think it's so hard for professional athletes to realize I'm not what I once was. 
it may be time to Look, step away. I'll throw two at you. Two of the greatest players in their sport ever. Wayne Gretzky. He yeah. held on too long. <laughs> he ended up playing for the Blues and got the crap knocked out of him and got a severe concussion. He shouldn't have even played for them. He should have retired before that. He had nothing to prove. Michael Jordan yep. came oh, back yes. and played for the Wizards. Wizards. Did not need to. Did not play well. Wasn't the Michael Jordan that we loved. David, two more, too. Different sport that we haven't mentioned. Boxing, Joe oh, Lewis, Joe was Lewis. the heavyweight champion around too long, and the greatest of all. Yes. Yep. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad was, Ali. He was maybe, I'm going to say, three fights too long. Yes. Yeah. And I, th- and I think you're right. I think I think pride is a big part of it for these guys. They've, they have dedicated their whole lives from, from childhood through their adulthood mm-hmm. of playing this sport. And it's all that they know and it's all that they want to do. And I think that's the toughest thing for them to do is accept that it's time for you to do something else. That's a great point because, you know, we don't think about this. We Most of us at some point in our life make a decision about what we're going to do and we oh, yeah. pursue that and then we do it. And nobody comes up when we're 40 years old and taps us on the shoulder and right. said, hey, got a kid out of college. He's going to come sit at your desk and uh, start typing to take a place. And one Ned's over here. <laughs> Ned's over here j- j- just gesticulating. Make, gesticulating right now. Um, because for most of us, Ned, most of us. But, yeah. you know, it, it's... Uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to sit and watch the college draft every year. Who's going to be the next title abstractor right. that comes in? <laughs> right. Well, this kid's got great handwriting yep. skills. We're looking for him to come Golden in and do this. His so, 10 keys when, on point. When I was breaking into th- this business, I, I used to think, well, I'm better than these old timers. Get these old timers out of here. Mm-hmm. Now that I am an old timer, I want these kids out of here. Uh, I know. You know, when I started, I was the youngest guy at the station that I worked for for about uh, by about ten years. My nickname there was Opie. Opie, because I was so young, and I thought, man, I hope I don't end up being the old guy at the radio station that does the old guy show. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? Uh, I'm the old guy that does the old guy show at the radio station. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll have another roundtable discussion next Sunday. We'll think of something interesting to talk about between here and there, and Stormy will throw that up on the website. Stormy will make some some comment about that, I'm sure. I'm throwing sure. up. And we'll talk about what we're going to watch on TV this afternoon next. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Let's take care of some housekeeping. Mitch Holtis is coming this summer once again. I don't have the date for this online. Do you know the date? It's July 22nd. July 22nd at the Riff, which is on Sunset. It's just a little bit to the west of Kansas Expressway and Sunset. Classic Rock Coffee's in with it. We've done this uh, two or three years. We've, I think it's three or four years now that we've actually had Mitch come in. And I can't stress this enough. It is really fun. You get a lot of great insight into the Chiefs. You get to see mm-hmm. Mitch in a, rele- in a relaxed atmosphere. Honestly, nobody knows more about the Chiefs except the guys who are doing the coaching, the GM. <laughs> right. Then Mitch Holtis, and it's really interesting to listen, especially the conversation that you guys have together. That's the way, and I'm glad you brought that up too, Joe, because that's how this is done. It's not a speech. He's not getting up there and doing a prepared speech at all. It is a conversation with with us, the uh, Art and I, who do the interview, and then with the audience who yes. wants to ask questions. And there are a myriad of questions. The first year that we held it in the Riff, the governor was there. Yes. He's a big Chiefs mm-hmm. fan. 
uh, last year, of course, with the pandemic, that wasn't able to happen. But this will be our, I believe, third year there and the fourth year overall. We had it at another locale the first time. But it's really a, a really enlightening evening and one that anybody, not just Chiefs fans, but sports fans in particular, would really enjoy. Yes. And we're doing voting online right now for the all-time greatest Chiefs draft pick. We did this as brackets, like kind of like we ha- how we did bra- Bantology Back in March, and uh, we believe we're down to the finals. It's Derek Thomas and uh, Patrick Mahomes. We did some talking about that last week. Mm-hmm. I think Derek Thomas may be leading right now, and uh, and I could see that his career, oh just my his overall career. So he was so dominant. Vote mm-hmm. online at one zero four seven thecavecom dot com. That's the place to do that. You have an opportunity to win a commemorative Super Bowl coin. If just for voting, so there's just yeah, just do it, okay? Come on, just just vote. There's no no excuses. So Ned, what do you uh, are you going to mow lawn today? Yes, this is a lawn mowing day. But it's also a, a yeah, I do some gardening, a little transplanting day too. <clears throat> and because of some uh, <clears throat> excuse me, because of some uh, electrical difficulties in my house, I mind it watching any TV. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. So what are you going to watch, John? Uh, I'll watch baseball today. You know. I'd- we were talking about it. There's so much good things to watch. There's so many good things to watch this year in Major League Baseball. Josh, I think I may take a nap today. Here, I, yeah, nice. inside of your eyelids. Yeah, nope. no, yeah. I, I'll probably watch some baseball or maybe watch a movie. Or Isn't something. there some soccer on? I thought I saw something the about soccer. Always on early, you know, because they're so far ahead. Time. <laughs> That's one another reason why I don't like them. Their times weird. Yeah, right. Like, usually on a Sunday, <laughs> you can catch a game at six thirty in the morning. They get on our time, it'll all be okay. <laughs> That's what I think. I'll be watching soccer every day. They're okay. one league on our time. It'd be, right. just, it'd be perfect. Wait, you guys heard that promise from him that he'd yeah. be watching it all That's the time. I true. would if they get on our time. I get one league and they get some American names in there. Yeah, I'll be all Christian Pulisic. <laughs> He's American. Yeah, I am. I love it. You know, well, it, it it's just it's, I don't like the fact that soccer's stuffed down our throats. Who's you know? doing that? Oh, ESPN does it. It's oh, and, number, and, no, watch and NBC does it. And watch if you if you watch their top ten. Number two will almost always be a soccer, be a soccer moment. So you know, I and 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 from some weird league that you've never heard of Uh before, the Brazilian D League or whatever, you know, that happens. I'm going to go home watch baseball. That's what I'm going to do after I celebrate. Oliver Ray Holmes' birthday. There you go. So we're getting ready to do that. Yes. You guys have a great day. We will see you all in the very near future. If you're tuning in and angry because I did my redneck voice, then you can (laughs) listen to that again (laughs) on our podcast, which you can find online at 1047thecave.com or download it through the Cave app. I want to say thanks to Scott Meyer, Ned Reynolds, John Oliver, Josh Roberts, Stormy Get Better. Thanks to Corbin Campbell, Mike the Interim. We'll see you guys next week for Ned Talk.